the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. There is something of a supply-demand imbalance in the industry right now. We have a glut of reports and programmes and feasibility studies and white papers, and they're all pointing to the same conclusion. Namely, that reducing the emissions curve this decade is possible, but it's going to require collective action across the maritime and energy industries. It's going to require regulatory clarity and the likely certainty of carbon pricing. The endless list of caveats goes on. But there is also a demand for detail in terms of how we are going to translate these papers into practice. How do we match the rhetoric with reality? Now, as regular listeners will know, there is, to my mind at least, still a disparity between what the industry is saying and what they're doing. But it seems my somewhat sceptical take on the current status of progress towards decarbonisation has raised the heckles of those who believe that we need more positivity, more optimism, and less naysaying from irritating hacks like me, trying to poke holes in everything they do and hold the industry to account. The thing is, I don't necessarily disagree with them. But The industry is going to be judged on what it achieves, not what it says it's going to do if only the conditions were more conducive to investment. It was with some of this in mind that I was moderating yet another panel out here in Oslo, and this time the acronym soup of industry decarbonisation hubs were in my sights. Uh, These are the guys that can collectively claim to represent the industry's frontrunners, the progressives, and all-round self-proclaimed good guys. A few caveats and notes before we start this daily podcast. The panel session that I just mentioned, it was a pretty lively debate over an hour where we had the space to get into some nuanced discussions. Unfortunately, that wasn't recorded. But uh, such was the nature of the debate that we carried it on after we came off stage. And that's what you're going to hear. Now, it was a busy room, so you got a little bit of background noise today, I'm afraid. But What you can hear is the real flavour of the debate going on in North Shipping right now. Yes, progress and optimism is possible, but I think it also requires transparency and accountability. So while I was pushing for some clarity over the gap between what is being said and what is being done, there were people in the room justifiably pushing back on my blunt scepticism. Johanna Christensen, the co-founder and chief executive of the Global Maritime Forum, started the fight back. I disagree with you on so many different levels. (laughs) I disagree with you on the premise of the question because you're oversimplifying it. Um, Yes, there's a gap between what the frontrunners are saying and what the laggards are doing. Of course there is. That's implied in in the categorization of that there are frontrunners, are there those that are followers and those that come after that still, right? Who are still looking at what their options are going to be, who are still assessing where they want to position themselves, etc. But the frontrunners, to my point of view, and of which there are many, most of whom are involved in in our respective efforts, they they are moving full steam ahead. Right? And we can see that in they're engaging themselves in the projects that the Global Center for Maritime Decarbonization is doing. They're involving themselves in the LR Decarbonization Center. They're involving themselves in our efforts. And I hope we can keep mobilizing more companies into becoming frontrunners. But we do have many frontrunners. They're taking a lot of concrete actions. Um, yeah. So I, I, I question the premise of your question. <laughs> Well, I I don't disagree with you. The point that I was asking you about was that we are standing here in Norway at Norshipping amongst a group of people that are 
telling us categorically, we need this industry to move faster. We need this industry to acknowledge that we are some distance away from a 1.5 degree aligned trajectory across the entire industry. Now, your front runners, they are doing great work. My question is whether they have enough gravitational pull to take the rest of the industry along with them and whether there isn't a little bit of wooliness around some of the aspirational claims that people are making versus the you know, overwhelming lack of science-based initiatives, targets, that are you know, applied to what they are saying. That's the point. As you can hear, this was a recording made on the fly, but it was very much the intention of doing these daily podcasts that we could give you a flavour of the real debate happening rather than the polished presentations up on stage, as interesting as they are. Here's Charles Haskell, director of Lloyd's Register's Maritime Decarbonisation Hub, backing up Joanna's points. The, the industry's come a long way in the last three years, um, and, and that rhetoric is moving into action. I think we, we do need to move faster. We always need to move faster. There is so much we need to do in a short amount of time. I think what we do need to do in, in order to help ourselves is be more transparent and to show what is being done because the, these, these studies, these projects, they do take time and a lot of people are waiting on them and we need to be transparent and updating people of the projects which are ongoing of the progression because some of the projects we're running with we've got a five-year time scale and so whilst it looks as though nothing is happening there is a lot happening behind the scenes so we can help ourselves by being more transparent and it is very it's nice to see both uh, global center of maritime decarbonization and the mercer mckinley miller center for zero carbon shipping both actually publicize what reports they're doing and, and the progression of their reports so we are seeing that transparency already so yeah we're making more we are making movement in the industry but yeah you're right it does need to move faster um, but I think it's like a snowball effect at the moment. Listening into all this was Professor Lin Lu, Chief Executive of the Global Centre for Maritime Decarbonisation who stressed the need for action now. Um, for, for us at the Global Centre for Maritime Decarbonisation we recognise that I think ambition is really important. They are a North Star they allow us to see where the vector is, where we're headed. But for our actions, for our own actions, I'm focused on what we can do today, how we can bend the slope, bend the curve immediately, because the more we do now, then the challenge become a little easier down the line. So that's what we're focused on. Um, and there are lots of things we can do now. Um, so if we talk about future fuels, there is the safety issue that needs to be ironed out. Ammonia has not been used as a marine fuel. Um, and so figuring out how to use it as a marine fuel, um, having the guidelines around bunkering, all those can be ironed out now while the ammonia fuel um, vessels are being, being, being designed and being built. Bo Serup Simonson, the Chief Executive Officer of the Merce McKinney Moller Centre for Zero Carbon Shipping and the world's longest acronym, like the others, is keen to get across the positive mobilisation that both his centre and the other hubs have been uh, achieving of late. But he is at least prepared to accept that there is still a lack of commitment to move at pace in some quarters. And when it comes to the overwhelming lack of science-based targets that are being attributed to declarations of decarbonisation from certain industry groups, well, he accepts that more needs to be done. So I don't think we're completely in disagreement on a lot of this. Um, well, I asked you on the panel, you know, whether the industry was, you know, perhaps focusing too much on 2050 with the MEPC 80 coming up and, uh, you know, should we not be looking a little bit closer to home at 2030? 
your point was actually we need to do both, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, so I think both, uh, both milestones, both time horizons are extremely important. So what is important for the 2030 mark is that we get to a point by 2030 where all the scalable new systems are up and running at some scale where we can see they're working and we have a regulatory system in place that will drive them on so that they actually start to scale. So that is, that is our focus and it means that by 2030 we need to have uh, methanol, ammonia, methane, possibly other fuels in action at some scale that could be displacing one, two, five, seven percent of the fossil fuel. In, in, in our view it doesn't matter that much whether it's three percent or seven percent as long as we are demonstrating them at scale. And just to get to that point takes a lot because, I mean, we need to qualify the safety systems, operational procedures, the true environmental impact with all the slips and what you have uh, in those systems. So all that needs to be in place, and it means that we have a lot of work to do between, for example, our four centers to just demonstrate and pilot the new solutions. And I think we're doing that. We're sharing the knowledge between us. We're learning from each other. And we have a portfolio of projects that are actually doing that. And I think if you look at the matrix of big projects that are ongoing now, you could actually claim that between methanol, ammonia, and methane, tank, bulk, and container, that matrix is filled, and we see those projects coming along. So in a way, we are in a good way to get those things in place. We are not in a good uh, place with regard to displacing 3 or 5% of the fossil fuel by 2030. We are not. So we are lacking commitment from cargo owners, from ship owners, and from energy producers to get that new system going. We don't, we don't have visibility to that scale at this point in time. So in that regard, you could say, yes, we need more. And then there's the other uh, time horizon, the 2050, and this is where we need the global regulation. And, you know, in a couple of weeks with MEPC, hopefully we'll get an important step in that direction with a new updated policy. And then we will have some works, uh, some years ahead of us to mature that policy into concrete measures that can be implemented and enforced. Uh, you know, so that's sort of the other, the other swim lane, and those activities are ongoing as well. So I, I think altogether we have a narrative in place for the transition. We see many of the activities are actually maturing and taking place. So I am quite optimistic. The, the one thing that I would, uh, you know, give... The, uh, the various hubs the credit for is actually increasing the um, scope of the conversation. You know, five years ago we were having a shipping conversation. Now your membership is charterers, energy companies. You are engaging bilaterally and unilaterally with governments across you know many different areas. Do you do you think we are now finally having the genuinely holistic conversation at the right levels that we need to in order to solve these problems? So when we set up the Getting to Zero Coalition in, in 2019, it was exactly what that purpose. It was to expand the conversation between the narrow scope of the shipping industry, to include the full value chain, and to embed it into the broader system transformation that we need. And so I'm glad to see that that has succeeded to some degree. 
I'd say to some degree, because to the point that has been raised earlier already, um, there are many that still need to move together and that are not fully embracing their responsibility and the, um, the consequences of the commitments that they might have already made. That is, includes some of the cargo owners, that includes some of the energy companies and others, that have financial institutions and others, that have made commitments at a global level and are not fully expressing them into the shipping industry yet. And so when we see that happening, I think that will have an incredibly important unlocking effect. I think the other thing that was that was uh, part of our ambition with setting up the Getting to Zero Coalition is this focus on the shorter-term actions that we need to take. So moving, so instead of talking about what needs to happen by 2050, rather what needs to happen by 2030 in order to achieve our 2050 ambitions. And I think that's also succeeded to a large degree, and I'm glad to see that that has. In addition to talking up and down the chain, I think we need to visit... Um, adjacent sectors as well. Um, I think um, we've been talking about fuels and we've been focusing on fuels. Let's face it, I think shipping is not going to be the sole demand driver for these fuels. In fact, I think it's going to be a small part of the demand driver. So we need to aggregate demand with the sectors that need these fuels as well. So that includes the power sector of countries where um, they have natural resource constraints, right? So countries like Singapore and Japan and Korea, um, where they're looking to import these kinds of fuels, if we aggregate demand, then we can bring these fuels in cheaper, faster, and safer. So that's an important uh, sector that we should look to. The other important sector that I say we should look to would be the aviation sector. Um, I think in many ways we share similar challenges and opportunities, and are there opportunities to work together? Um, we hear a lot about the competition for biofuels, but are there opportunities to, I don't know, share infrastructure, to build common knowledge so that we can work together towards a common goal? I think in terms of 2030 and 2050, I think the 2030 target is, is imperative because some of the modeling we've done on, on, on the Green Corridor cluster which we're operating is the earlier the transition starts is the cheaper it will be but also the safer it will be and we have more time to train seafarers in a um, in, in, in a sort of a timely manner and I, I think this is yeah 2050 target is good but we, we've got to reflect on the costs and the safety and all the other implications of the, the importance of starting early because this is a very short energy transition and a very difficult energy transition so the more time we give ourselves, the better. And I think we would thank ourselves if we looked back from 2060 that we started earlier than pushing it backwards all the time. As I say, this is by no means the whole debate. And I certainly don't want to suggest that the work of the decarbonisation centres is anything less than necessary. And I have a huge amount of respect for what the people on that panel and inside those hubs are doing. But I think it's important that we keep a close eye on the gap between what is being said and what is being done across the industry. A lot of the focus out here in North Shipping this week is understandably regulatory focused, and 2050 seems to be the target that everybody is talking about. And while I think we can probably get the net zero by 2050 aspiration into the IMO strategy next month, with a good wind behind us, the message I take away from yesterday and today here in Oslo is that we really need to start changing the conversation towards 2030, not 2050. Promising 2050 is not easy, but it's certainly easier than dealing with a 2030 absolute reduction target. The majority of the industry is still grappling with a chicken and egg situation out here. No one wants to make a financial commitment to an uptake of fuel because 
it's a 10 year contract where you've got to hedge your price for the next decade. That's a big risk that people just aren't prepared to make at the moment. All of the industry surveys and progress reports that are celebrating the small fraction of the industry that is actually committed to zero by 2050, I think they're useful, but I also think to some extent they're missing the point if those targets are not science-based and transparent and come with an actual transition plan. As successive speakers today have reminded us, from John Kerry and Andrew Forrest to the Nobel Prize-winning economist Joseph Stiglitz, the industry just isn't moving fast enough. Climate change is an emergency. Time is running out. That said, there will be time for some more podcasts before the end of North Shipping. So I'll be back tomorrow with more thoughts from around North Shipping. Thanks for listening. Bye.